Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Jay, and welcome to another episode of Twitterology. And as always, I'm here with my partner in crime, Isaac. Hello. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we are joined today, again, by our dear, dear friends. Chris Nye is our good friend. Hey. He's a pastor over at Awakening Church here in the Silicon Valley, doing some amazing things there. He's a speaker, a professor, a writer, author of Distant God, as well as his next book, whose title, the mm. book's title, was it was breaking news on the, on last, the last Twitterology, Twitterology episode. So I'm not going to tell you the title right now. Go back. You got to go back and listen to get the title. It's a great title. It though. is a good title. Um, kind of. Yeah, it's just great. So go back. For that reason alone, go back and listen <laughs> to the first Twitterology. Um, so glad you're here, Chris. Good to be and here. our dear friend Liz Diddy. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing good. You guys know Liz. She's been on the podcast. She's done a bunch of stuff for Regeneration Project and has been um, spoken at our events. She's a speaker, spiritual director, also the author of the new book, God's Many Voices. Yeah. Learning to listen, expectant to hear. Classic. Dropping great, that subtitle. Great subtitle. Chris, Chris taught me to drop my subtitle. <laughs> Gotta drop the subtitle, you guys. <laughs> That's right. In the last Twitterology, Chris dropped his subtitle of his I new mean, book. I mean, I was trying to save time, did it. but, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> so there's, you know, there you go. You dropped it. It's a great book. So, um, and it was fun talking to you about it on previous episode. So today, uh, I want to ask you guys a question about, um, this is a this is a social media thing I've seen on Twitter. I've actually seen it a lot on Instagram because it's a very visual um, thing, but I will often see, um, I've seen major voices out there who are popular in social media, but I've also seen, as some of us have as well, just friends of ours who sort of fall into this line of thinking where they'll post a picture of themselves alone in isolation, um, maybe on a Sunday morning with a warm cup of coffee and their comfy PJs on, which is awesome. No problem with any of that. <laughs> that sounds like the dream to me in many ways. But then the caption will say something along the lines of, this is my church today. And everything about that is great. You know, this could be your day, how you're spending your morning. The issue for me is the word church. This is your church today. Um, that's what I want to talk about. Have you guys seen this? Yes. Around? Yes. And Chris Knipe I, I, just posted I, I, it yesterday. What's so embarrassing? I don't want to call people out. It's really out. awkward it right now, but it's... it was actually Chris. In fact, when we walked in here to do this episode, Chris was in his PJs drinking coffee. You know, they he was like, "Stop it, bothering that my was church." It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> church time. No, I've seen my. You know, yeah, my friends uh, have posted some of this, or, or 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 bigger names, or anything like that. And and I'm in, in agreement with you where what we mean by church becomes my personal spiritual experience. And that all of a sudden leads people to say, oh, this is the equivalent. It's the equivalent. I connect with God at church. I connect with God alone. Today, I'm going to skip church and, and be alone. And the, the danger to me there is the isolationism and the individualism that is already all of us even in our internal own Christian lives, we fight it. But as pastors, we're constantly fighting it. And as leaders, we're constantly fighting that. And that that um, understanding, it's just a revelation of where we are as, as a culture. And, yeah. and, and, and honestly, I, I, I think it's one of, the, one of the more dangerous things in the millennial generation is, is that emphasis on the personal savior, mm. like the personal Lord and savior. 
Um, Joseph Hellerman wrote this great book, uh, When the Church Was a Family. Hmm. I don't know if you guys have read it. I love it. He talks about how, um, you know, personal savior is one, something that's never mentioned in scripture once, hmm. but two, how that phrase has replaced our Lord and Savior, Jesus yes. Christ. Hmm. This collective understanding that we're brothers and sisters who all worship our Lord, who has come to save his people, plural, collective. Yeah. Here's what I love about the the sunset, the lake, the mountaintop, the you know, this the ocean, this is my church. I love recognizing that holy space and space of meeting God is not just confined to a Sunday morning experience, hmm. right? Like I love that the idea of where I meet God, where I worship God, where I um where I l- hear God's voice is not just in a building with music, with you know the lights turned off. However, um, that's not the same as church, right? So where I hear God, where I worship God, um, going to your point, Chris, it, that personal experience is is not the same as church. So what do we understand? Like, what is church? What do we mean by church? Well, oh, I was going to just jump in because, Liz, actually, I wanted to hear you talk about that more because of that chapter in your book, which is about kind of the community speaking through um, how God speaks kind of through the community and stuff, because a lot of, I think even just your book's title could be like, oh, I'm going to read this and have this personal kind of, you know, inner voice where God's constantly speaking to me. But I, like, how do you push against that? I guess I I just, I want to hear you kind of talk more about what you're saying, I guess, is all I'm saying. Just talk more about it. Okay, yeah. So I do. I have a chapter in God's Many Voices about how God speaks to us through community. And um, so when I talk about God speaking to us, one question that always comes up is how do we know it's God's voice? Mm. And um, there's two main ways that I talk about. And the first is scripture. And the second is community, uh, and and there's and then there's other other ways as well, but I think community is so pivotal to our personal experience with God because we can get so off track and misunderstand so many things. We can get lost in the voices of um, our own past. We can get lost in the voices of celebrities and lose track of what God's voice is um, without community around us. Right, and we can get lost in the seasons of our life without community around us you know there's this beautiful aspect of church is not just our personal experience with god or our personal understanding of him growing it's us growing our understanding of god together and it's being able to um you know receive the news of your miscarriage the same week that they're having baby dedications at church um it's mm. being able to hold one another through those seasons and with each other to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep to understand that you know to to see god with each other 
in the deepest valleys of our lives um, and also to celebrate the goodness of God, not as a not as a prosperity gospel. If you follow him, you're for sure going to land in this place. But in a OK, the valleys are something I am familiar with and I know we are all going to walk through. But there's this beautiful psalm that says, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Mm-hmm. And I had lost that belief until I was able to see it in other people people's lives first. Yes. My community reminded me of that belief. Um, and and um, and so we cannot actually have a full experience of God without the experiences of each other hmm. speaking into that and who God is. He's just way too big for any one of us to fully understand. Hmm. I knew I could get Liz Diddy gold out of that. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> There's a... Uh, kind of a, a theme in all, or something that connects the dots. You mentioned uh, scripture never talking about your personal relationship with Jesus. And all of us would say, you do have a, a relationship with Jesus in a personal sense, but when it becomes our primary slogan or metaphor to describe the salvation experience, and it's not the terminology that scripture ever uses, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just might mean if that's what we're using the most, we might be overemphasizing that one component of it. Mm. Um, for instance, there's there's something where we overemphasize one verse and kind of neglect the other, where if you've been a Christian a long time, you've heard that your body is a temple of the, the Holy Spirit. I think, Chris, we talked about this on your on the you podcast totally with did. you, yeah. um, where uh, there's a verse that says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you, as a single individual, have the Holy Spirit with you, and that is true in the personal individualistic sense. Simultaneously, Paul also says in another point, you have your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but grammatically he uses something they have in Greek that we don't English, the second person plural. So Paul says, y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So as an individual, yeah. it is true, but also the corporate gathering of God's people is the, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And both things need to be emphasized. In our culture, of course, we're hyper-individualistic modern Americans, so we gravitate to the individualistic point. Well, and there and are like the major advantages to the individualistic take, right? I mean, when I'm sitting alone on a lake experiencing God, awesome. Mm-hmm. No one's there to offend me. No one's there to annoy me, <laughs> you know, right? You like all the music because you're, cho- <laughs> you're choosing them on your on your yeah. Spotify yourself. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's not all Christian. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> make, you threw in like a Bon Iver Bob song Dylan in there. Bob Dylan is my like, worship yeah, leader. You know? <laughs> You know, maybe a little John Foreman because you're like he's kind of Christian, <laughs> right? So he's just like you love the music. What's well, funny? There's uh, like there's versions of that picture too. There's one where it's someone, it's the morning and they're reading their Bible and there's a beautiful forest in front of them and we're all for that, dude. People reading their Bible, great, love it. wonderful. The and then you know there's like, then there's me with a margarita sipping away <laughs> and, and you know I'm the couch going in my church today, bro. And it's like there's layers of it. Yeah, and there's a yeah. there's a good version. Did you post? I did. No, 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 I actually, I didn't want to throw him under the bus again, but it was actually on Chris. Yeah, was Chris. Once again. Um, so thing is just an intervention for Chris. I, I also think the, the end all of this podcast is like, you can follow me on Instagram. I think the promo Insta posts for this actually right? need to come on your feed. <laughs> and they should all be you. So the, the best version of it, we love. It's just not church. And there are benefits to doing that, and your soul needs it. Your soul needs to get away to listen to your playlist that fuels your soul by yourself. But as you mentioned, what do you miss? 
Well, you miss no one annoying you, but you miss no one confronting you on your blind spots. So the biggest sins in your life, you are unaware of, most likely. You're aware of some, but there's some. you have some deep level issues, sin issues that you're completely blind to. And the only way they get pointed out is by being in loving, vulnerable, transparent, powerful community that's willing to sharpen each other. Just will never happen. You have blind spots. We all do. Yeah, and I think like pride is probably all of our biggest blind spot. Um, and if you don't think it's a blind spot for you, read <laughs> Andrew Murray's book on humility, mm. and um, and you'll realize that it is. Uh, and pride thrives in isolation. Mm. In isolation, I always get to be right. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. The you know on the flip side too, Isaac, it community confronts us, just like you said. Um, and there is a unique sense of comfort in community as well. And the two, oddly enough, are embedded in each other uh, in ways that they need to be if we're going to experience the sort of um, human flourishing that the Bible promises us, that, um, that, we, that every human being, I think, longs for. The, the tricky thing is when I see those photos – I th- often, when I when I give it some thought, what comes to mind is that it's it's before it's a problem of theology and and understanding ecclesiology. I think it's a problem. You guys have mentioned this already. It's more than that, or before that, it's primarily first a problem of twenty first century um, individualism. This is what you were starting off with, right? And it's not just the individualism affecting our understanding or misunderstanding of what the church is, it is individualism actually affecting our, our habits, you know, and, um, we've all, we've all talked about this book before on, on the podcast in different ways, but, um, James, Jamie Smith, who has this wonderful book, right? You are what you love. And, um, we just don't take into account how easy it is to love the cheap stuff, um, without doing the hard work of wiring ourselves to love the things um, that are much more rich and lavish in terms of human experience. Community is one of the primary things. Depending on your personality, for certainly for me, it is easier to live in isolation for me. Like I would just much rather do my own thing, yeah. not be confronted. And in some ways I think to myself, I don't even really need the comfort of community. I'm just fine, like hanging on my own. Um, but when push push comes to shove, which it has many times in my life, what I realize is it is the isolation that's just totally destroying me, um, mm-hmm. and 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 the deep need I have for both the comfort and the confrontation that a Christ centered community you're, to you're gather people. Me, oh, God sorry, really Liz. No, give. you know we're supposed to interrupt each other. <laughs> I was gonna say you. Well um, then. Oh <laughs> no. Nice. I'm fighting for the mic now. <laughs> so you guys are all three pastors, and I'm not. So I feel like I can ask this question. Maybe a lot of people are. Um, it's not just looking out at the lake. This is my church. I know a lot of people personally who think watching a sermon online is a substitute mm. for going to church. Um, it, I, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, We're getting into it now. Yeah. We're getting real specific. I like it. <laughs> Let's talk about that. But there that. are people who watch your guys' sermons online, right? Um, My mom. So, 
my wife on um, occasion. Talk to me, because I know Chris was kind enough to cue up me in my book. I know, Jay, you've been thinking a lot about church yeah. um, and the way that churches meet. Um, talk to me about the the beauty of not just, uh, of showing up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was having lunch with a good friend of mine who's lead pastor of a large church here in Silicon Valley just earlier today. And we were talking about that scary statistic and it fluctuates a little bit but the numbers are somewhere between 1.2 and 1.5 and that number represents the average the person in America who says that they are committed to a local church and the average number of times that person attends that local church physically attends that local church in a given month and this is a person who says they're committed. This is like not the masses. These are folks who are like, I'm in. Yeah. That person, on average in America now, attends one between 1.2 to 1.5. So either way, whatever the statistic is, less than half the time. And you do the math, it's like they're showing up, physically showing up to their community 14 times a year, you know, 15 times a yeah. year, something like that. So this is like a widespread issue, right? And... Uh, and and churches, I think, particularly here in the West, now have a, a, a really big decision to make. And churches are making, many of them are making the decision, which is, if they're not showing up, let's just lean harder into the spaces that are more accessible to them. And I, you know, there's, there's varying degrees of agreement and disagreement on this point. I've given a lot of thought to this. I think that that whole thing, right? So let's just call it what it is. The video teaching you post online so you don't have to show up and you just listen to the sermon on your MP3 podcast or, or watch it online. You know, a lot of churches, you can even watch the music online and, and they put the lyrics there and maybe you sit there and sing along. I don't know what you do, but right, it's all accessible to you, sort of Netflix culture on demand. You can binge watch the whole teaching series. I think there's a time and place for that. I think that's great. You know, maybe you're traveling and you miss the series, but you want to be in. So you watch it. I, I think it's good as a supplemental thing, but what it's becoming is a replacement to actual physical embodied presence with one another. And outside of the church world, there's a lot of research being done right now simply because of the digital age and technology in general That's where researchers are trying to figure out what we are losing when we lose embodied physical presence with one another. And what they're discovering without getting into great detail is like it is a real loss. There is something neurologically, emotionally, psychologically, and as a Christian, I would say certainly spiritually and holistically as a human, there is something we lose, many things we lose in refusing to, to sacrifice our time and energy to be physically present with one another. Um, I don't know how that plays out in your guys' community. The three of us, the four yeah. of us, we all represent four different churches. Liz, you say you're not a pastor, but you're on the teaching team at this large church in the Silicon Valley and super involved. And um, So we're all in leadership in, our, in four different local churches. So I'd be curious to know sort of what well, it feels like to you. I, I think it, Isaac said something a couple minutes ago that I, I think is summarizing kind of our, our, our general which is this when someone posts that picture or when someone goes online and watches sermons they replace that with Sunday what Isaac said was that is not church and I think 
that should guide us a lot more as pastors and leaders, which is diving into a really, really rich ecclesiology, which Jay's, you're doing like a lot of great work. A lot of us are really thinking about this, but going a lot further with what that word means. And so when people are engaging in these other spaces and places, we're teaching them that that is not church, you know, and, and, and how forcefully maybe, and even direct, we're going to have to be with our language. And, and, and Frank, I, I know even some churches have gone to the extent of putting, you know, little bumpers on their, uh, their podcasts or their videos to say, hey, we love that you're jumping into this message, but just don't let this replace church because it's not. Mm. I think we're going to see a, a lot more of that. I want to commit to more of that myself as far as communication as a pastor. Yeah, we uh, we do similar stuff with the things that we post. We also don't post stuff till Tuesday. Mm. Um, so the negative drawback of it is there are people who are traveling who would really want to listen to it that day. Sure. Um, and maybe we'll switch it to posting immediately or live streaming it in the near future. But uh, we're so committed to people being present there that we don't want to give them a way out, even though there is a time and a place, as you said, for that. Yeah. Um, So to push, um, I heard something so interesting. Someone said something at a conference. Now, granted, it was a, it was a conference about small groups. So clearly this person is like really biased and passionate about small groups, right? Someone recently said something at a conference that even the Sunday morning experience isn't church, that that's like the crowd gathering and then your small group is really your church. Mm. Yeah. How do you guys feel yeah, about that? That goes back to your original question. What, what, do we, what do we mean when we say church? The way we actually officially define it at, at South Valley, and it's super simple. It's not perfect, but super simple. Church is the people of God. Plain and simple. People of God. Three words. Um, because you don't need to be in the building. It, the church is God's covenant people. The, the people together. Um and so I would say if you are all alone by yourself, you are a part of the church, but the experience of the people of God is missing. You have to be experiencing the people of God. Now, the guy's obviously a small group guy, so he's going to emphasize that. But I would still say when you're, it's Tuesday and you're, you're serving with Christians on a project, you're, whatever you're doing you're gathered in Jesus' name as the people of God. There's a sense in which that is that is church. Do you think, though, that there is... I mean, I don't disagree... Obviously, I don't disagree that the church is the people of God, but talk a little bit about, is that all it is? And I, I, I'm asking that mm-hmm. question functionally and practically. So, yeah. you know, if you get into sort of ecclesiology, the ecclesiology of it... Um, what is the role of, like, can you be a church without any sort of leadership structure? Or can you be a church? Because this this is like, I mean, we're, we're sort of like rabbit trailing yeah, a little yeah, but bit, it's right? But like somebody says like, man, and this happens a lot. I know people who do this, like, man, they speak against, they call it like organized religion is what yeah. they will say. And then it's like just anti-organized religion. That small group statement is what the house church people, not all of them, there's tons of great house churches. Totally, that say yeah. anything, but there's a version of the house church thing that, well, that organized bigger church stuff, that's not church. You're that's just listening church. to a lecture. Right. And so yeah. that same small group sentiment is repeated by the kind of some of these 
house church leaders. Yeah. And it becomes, and to them, it's anything that looks institutional or organized right. or isn't a space where everyone gets to talk yeah. and share. That's yeah, the, not church. the phrase is we're, we're going to be organic, not organized. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this earlier, you and I, Isaac, yeah. about the need for, in the social media age, the need for clean, binary, Right, conversations with a big VS in the middle. Yeah. And so it's like you're either organic or you're organized. And if you are organized, you're not organic. Yeah. And there's a cultural sentiment that believes anything that's institutional or big or organized is bad. That represents the empire in Star Wars. Who's the organized one in Star Wars? Who's the most organized, powerful force in Star Wars? What's the the, the biggest institution in, in in the galaxy, the ones that are organic and that the on the fly having to change plans no matter what is is the rebels. Those those are the good guys, and there's a reason why that resonates with our culture. You know what's funny about that though? If you actually watch the Star Wars movie, <laughs> if you don't label like if you don't assume that bigger means more organized, and you just like let's say you read the script for Star Wars, mm-hmm. what you realize is the rebels are more actually organized yeah. in terms of coordinating their plans where mm-hmm. to go what to do and the the bat the empire are the ones that have the short little quips there's like blow them up right like there's mm-hmm. no organization it right it's the rebels that are like we're gonna go here and then we're gonna land here and then we're gonna do this and yeah general leia forever <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I, the, the the point i, I think I'm, I'm trying to get at is that our culture like you like you just said values that which is organic mm-hmm. and Anything big and institutional is bad. And that is, that is stupid. <laughs> that is dumb. We have lights on in this room. We have laws in this land. America is the greatest place to live because of institutions. Now, I will also talk the most crap about institutions than anyone. I will talk horrible <laughs> there are things some about jaws institutions. Dropped around the circle for those but listening. the institutions of this country make this a great place to live. With, you don't have lights on. You don't have water. You don't, you don't have grocery stores without highly organized, like machine-like systems producing that stuff. So we want to critique it, but we live in the blessings of all of it. And that sentiment applies to... Why, why did you well, say uh, jaws drop because well, of that? Well, here's the thing, though. Okay, because we have to think about the church. It, it, it's a global church, right? Yeah. So, like, I met a guy um, just this last fall who lives in Alaska, and, you know, he got a job as a teacher at a school in Alaska it's like a town of like 40 people and he and his family are the only Christians there. And so he does do online church, you know, uh, it's his option. Um, you know, there are, there are thriving house churches in other countries across the world and underground churches. And, you know, like the, the new Testament doesn't give a lot of like, you have to, you know, do this on a Sunday morning to be church. Right. Mm. So what is at the core if we're if we're following Christian tradition and New Testament principles, and this is something that could apply as easily to a mega church in America as to, you know, a couple a handful of Christians that were newly converted Muslims in Iran, mm-hmm. what makes church church? I would say three things have always historically been true, except to very very modern times. Uh, communion, the Eucharist, was central. Every Sunday you gather, and I know this is controversial because not everyone does this, but you read the early church, everyone. I mean, we're talking before the end of the first century, you're reading the Didache. I mean, this is 90 AD, and this is central. So you had communion, you worshiped, you sang songs together, 
and someone did a teaching of the word. Now, typically there was reading longer readings of the word of the scriptures, and then someone would share. Now they didn't have like a seminary graduate necessarily person doing that, but those elements were always central and they took an offering. Mm. They took an offering. Communion was so central that there was practices very early on that if someone was sick, you would go and give them a piece from the same yeah, bread. Right. <laughs> and communion was so central that if there was other small churches in the area, you sometimes symbolically would take try to take a big piece of bread and use that in multiple places yeah. to say that we are eating of the same body. So for me, the Sunday experience or your Saturday evening experience for that corporate gathering historically, and I think there's good reason to back it up biblically, includes communion, worshiping, and the reading or teaching and or teaching of the word. I think that's where I was trying to get to with the original question about the church as the people of God, because I agree, but there is there are certain practices, mm-hmm. and this is a dangerous thing to say in our day and age. It's like, oh, you're just into a formula, or you're just into you know behavior. If you just want everyone to be uniform and do the same thing or whatever, right? Getting back to what we said earlier about like this hyper individualistic society we live in, but there is there are specific practices and a very particular means of. Um, inspiration and learning together from the scriptures, from the story mm-hmm. of God that that really defines what it means when we talk about the church. And, and so, you know, the word is fairly elastic, I think. And yeah. I think theologically it's okay to use it elastically. Yeah. You know, where what I'm not trying to say is, you know, every time you gather with your friends who are your community of God together, and you're doing life together. I don't think any of us are saying every single time you're together, you better break the, you know, take the bread in the cup and somebody better teach a little thing. Like, of course not. You know, there are small group times where you get together and you're just having dinner or you're watching a movie and you're, yeah. and like, are you ceasing to be the church there? No. I think what we're talking about to get us back to the initial point is um, the misunderstanding that I think we all agree on of the idea that you can be alone in isolation without others, without the confrontation and comfort and everything in between mm-hmm. that a community of God provides us, that you can do that and that is church. Or better yet, something, I forget who said it, but this idea, the hyper-individualistic idea that my personal experience of God and relationship with God um, is church. Your personal experience and relationship with God is of utmost importance, absolutely, but that in and of itself is not the church. And and in your personal relationship with God, you are also being called into the church, the community of God, the people of God. Mm-hmm. And I think both what you said and what Isaac said are important, right? The other people are an important part of church, but also the liturgy is an important part of church, mm-hmm. right? The, the, um, the liturgy of communion, the liturgy of prayer, um, those, those things that call us back to the story of God. Yeah. So to wrap all of this up, I think the thing we can say is just post a picture on Instagram that says reading my Bible, enjoying this amazing creation. No, of God. better yet, don't uh, call it church. Yeah, no, don't call like it church. Post, post a picture of you watching the Region podcast this episode <laughs> on oh. your laptop and say, and say hashtag this is church. This is my church. <laughs> 
That's amazing. Well, thanks you guys for listening, and uh, we'll have more Twitterology episodes coming up. And uh, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>